says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and with one accord the believers gathered together in Solomon's colonnade. Although the people regarded them highly, no one else dared to join them. Well, what kind of a church was this that no one dared to join? It was a church in which a supernatural God was active and moving among the people. And just before this statement, we are given the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, They'd lied about their giving to the church, then fell dead at the feet of Peter. And that story is followed immediately, it says, by many signs and wonders being performed among the people. And all the people, and I'm not talking about just those in the church here, but I'm talking about all the rest of the people... They were aware of what was going on in the early church. They were aware that what was going on in the church was supernatural. And they were aware that it was a serious thing to be a Christian and that it could not be approached, or it could, yeah, could not be approached without, or it could not be approached with a casual commitment. Uh, So at least for some people, uh, for some period of time, it says no one else dared to join their meeting. They felt apprehensive or uncomfortable or perhaps even fearful about joining in with the Christians. The amazing thing is that that didn't mean the church stopped growing. Uh, The next verse says, Yet more and more believers were brought to the Lord, large numbers of both men and women. The The Holy Spirit kept moving and adding men and women to the church. But... The growth of the church did not come because everybody felt comfortable about what was happening in the early church. Believers were added to the Lord in spite of this natural apprehension toward the church. Okay, you're probably wondering, where in the world is he going with this this morning? Well, I'll tell you, my title for this morning's message is why we can't make church something everybody feels comfortable with all the time. It's kind of a long title. (laughs) Of course, it's not that we purposefully want to make church a weird and uncomfortable experience for anybody. But many of the things that we are called to do as a church, many things that we are called to say in the church can put people right out of their comfort zone. And if we're not willing to do that, we naturally will withdraw from preaching the message we are called to preach, from presenting Jesus to people as we ought, and we will draw or withdraw from the dynamic presence of the Holy Spirit in the church meeting. Now, before I get too far into this, I, I just want to say, if you are visiting, and I, you know, it, I'm not sure, I know uh, Tina there, you're back here for the second time. All right, maybe somebody else. If you're visiting this morning, you know, we want you to feel welcomed here like you've never been welcomed any place in your life. Uh, we want you to sense the love of God for you like you've never felt it before in your life. So in that sense, we want you to feel comfortable and accepted. And we even hope that the chairs and room temperature are comfortable for you. 
And for those who've come to Real Life Church or maybe come to any church for a long time, uh, you know, we want you to come into church. And here at, at Real Life Church, we want you to come into church every Sunday and feel like you've just come home. You know, we want you to just feel like you've, you've, you've just come to, to, in one sense, the most comfortable place in your life. We want you to come to church every sun, Sunday and feel like you're coming to a place of love and acceptance and encouragement that is even greater and more unconditional than perhaps you receive from your earthly or flesh and blood family. And yet, our foremost goal cannot be to make everyone feel comfortable with everything that goes on in church. So this morning, I'm going to share seven reasons why we cannot always make church comfortable for everybody all the time. Reason number one, it isn't comfortableness that people need. They need Jesus. They need the salvation, the help, the power that transforms and heals and makes whole that only Jesus can give. We need Jesus at the beginning of our Christian life, and we need him every day, all the way. I love that song that says, in the morning when I rise, just give me Jesus. Jesus said, he who feeds on me will live because of me. People who do well learn to feed on Jesus every day, all the way. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So the mission of the church is not primarily to make people comfortable, but to bring them into direct connection with the Lord, to bring them into direct connection with Jesus, to bring them into direct connection with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're about every time we gather. And maybe maybe sometimes that happens better than others. I mean, it seems like it. I don't know. I mean, I know that's what we, we would pray for all the time. That's what we want every time to 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 bring you to a close encounter, a close encounter with the Lord. I think some of you, I know some of you here in the church have have read a very powerful article entitled, Why the Church Doesn't Need Any More Coffee Bars. How many have read that? Lana, I know you have because you're the one that shared it with me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, It was written by a woman whose husband died in February 14th, Valentine's Day of 2017, after a two-year battle with cancer. And she says, On February 13th, I had the most difficult task of telling my children their dad was not going to make it. And the next day at 7.24 a.m., the doctors declared him dead. And as I lay next to my children at night listening to my daughter sob uncontrollably because she misses her dad so much, I am not thinking about how trendy my church is. I am thinking that my strength comes solely from God. And as I drive to church during the week, 
I am not thinking that I am so glad the leadership are reading How to Grow Your Church books and adopting cool sermon series. I am thinking how desperate I need Jesus. As I look at two young children who now have grown up without their amazing dad, by, who now have to grow up without their amazing dad by their side, I am not thinking of how it is so awesome that the minister related the message to a current Hollywood film. I am thinking how much I need Jesus. And throughout this article, she makes the point powerfully saying that we don't need more coffee bars in church. We need more God in church. We need more Jesus in church. Another woman named uh, Kathy Sneed, who, by the way, quoted this very same article, wrote her own blog titled, Maybe Church Isn't Supposed to Make Us Comfortable. Very interesting. And in it, her very last paragraph, she said, "We, We need less comfortable and more real. We need less show and more action. We need less modern and more Jesus. As I try to get through the next few minutes, hours, and days, I don't want comfortable. I want Jesus. Will you be the one to show him to me? What a penetrating thought. And that's... Sorry, this is making me emotional. That's what we're here in church for. We're here to get together and to the best of our ability by the grace of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're here to show Jesus to other people. And, you know, thank God for the coffee that we have out back. This is not to to belittle that ministry. And we've even got cookies today, too. This is not to slight that. It's just saying there's there's this massively bigger priority that we come together and show each other Jesus and that we encounter Jesus together. I mean, Jesus said, he said, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. That was his definition of church. I mean, that was it. That was enough. That's enough. If we get together and meet Jesus, if we get together and know his presence and know that he's touched us, that, that's what we need. That's all we need. He he is all-sufficient for every need that we have. Reason number two. I've given covering seven of these, so we're going to cover a lot of territory, but hopefully they'll all meet a need here in our lives. Reason number two. Often the, very, the reason we can't make church comfortable for everybody always is often the very process of coming to Jesus is not comfortable. You know, I knelt down and received Jesus Christ as a boy not because I felt comfortable about what I was hearing in church, but because I was very disturbed by what I was hearing in church. And I didn't, I didn't want to be under the judgment of God. I didn't want to go to a place called hell. I wanted to please God and know that I was saved and going to heaven. And I 
knelt down and received Christ because I was, I was concerned. I was concerned about my soul. I didn't feel comfortable about where I was. Um, I, wanted, I wanted relief from my discomfort. And I'm sure there's many people here who could, who could, get, up, who could get up right now this morning and tell how uh, discomfort, uh, may, maybe, maybe depression, maybe misery, uh, maybe some other really negative thing played a part in your salvation. It's, it's often when the Spirit of God finally breaks through and convicts and works and shows us our need. That's how we come to a real relationship with Jesus to begin with. God has to show us that we need something that we don't have. We all have to be brought to a place where we finally admit that we are broken and need Jesus to heal us. We all have to be brought, and thankfully the Holy Spirit plays this role, has to show us that we have sinned and we need a Savior to take away our sins. And it's, it's that uncomfortableness that, that, that leads us to, to genuine and real salvation. You know, the third verse of Amazing Grace says, It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. Everybody familiar with that verse? Have you ever thought about what that verse means? You know, the writer of that hymn, John Newton, was a slave trader. And he he had done dark and vile things. And the first thing that God's grace did for him was to cause him to fear. To fear, he doesn't say all, but certainly to fear the judgment that he was under for his sins. And fear is one of the most uncomfortable things that we ever experience. Yet it's often the place that we must be brought to in order to find grace and forgiveness. Fear drove John Newton to Christ where he found that amazing grace that relieved all his fears. It was fear that drove him to find that grace that caused him to write this, the song, Amazing Grace. Reason number three, that we can't always make everybody comfortable in church. In any gathering of people, there are almost always some who are not born again. Uh, and until a person knows Christ and has experienced the Holy Spirit living in them, the church simply being the church can seem very strange and uncomfortable. And if we try to do everything to remove the strange, the strangeness and discomfort for everybody, we invariably will end up watering down the church and the message of the church, the Word of God, and the work of the Holy Spirit. It just always happens. Whenever our concern comes, becomes mainly to please people and mainly to make people comfortable... Something happens to the Bible, to the message, to the Jesus that we present, to the work of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians one eighteen says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to, to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I mean, we are, we're, we're doing something as a church, and we're preaching something as a church, 
that attracts some and repels some. It just, it just has to be that way. And if we're not willing to repel anybody by our message, then we're just going to have to gut the message. And that's what is happening all over the church today. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and he cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So, I mean, this verse very plainly says that until a person has the Holy Spirit, the truth of the Holy Spirit and the activities of the Holy Spirit, the things of the Holy Spirit will seem like nonsense to them. It will seem foolish. And, and we, we can't get into the business of trying to make it not seem foolish to them. Uh, years ago, there was a man who attended Real Life Church. He had come for a few years with his wife and family. His wife had been saved and baptized I never felt like he knew the Lord himself. Well, we had a baptism that was scheduled, and for some reason I felt led to use that event as a, as a uh, I don't think excuse, but a reason to go talk to him about his relationship with Jesus. And I, and I did. I, I called him, and, and I just asked him if he really knew the Lord. I called him to, to, to receive Christ and, and, then, and then to be baptized. And... Um, when I got done with my appeal, he sort of chuckled and he said, Reed, I wouldn't be caught dead doing that. And, you know, I understood his aversion to being baptized. Baptism makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But his, his bigger problem was his aversion to, sub, uh, to submitting his heart and life to Jesus. And quite honestly, uh, there's been times in the past where we've had more or less uh, people uh, coming to church kind of in that condition. I, thankful, I, we don't really have that so much right now, but there's been times where, where we had people coming that more people coming where really wasn't sure where they were with, with the Lord. Uh, but we can't, we can't build our church around trying to make people like that happy. Um, it would just be wrong to tamp down, to tamp down the message of the Bible, to tamp down the fire of the Holy Spirit in church meetings so that, so that those who have not fully opened their hearts to God can feel comfortable. Reason number four, the entire process of being transformed by the Spirit often involves hearing things and feeling things that don't make you that comfortable at all. I once heard a, an evangelist say, and this saying always stayed with me, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. And he loves you so much that he's willing to make you uncomfortable to bring you into all that he has for you. Uh, A.W. Tozier, who I'm going to quote frequently this morning, said, uh, may God deliver us from the easygoing, smooth, comfortable Christianity that never lets the truth get a hold of us. 
and it's again, it's not that we want you to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> it's just that a Christianity where the truth gets a hold of us usually isn't a comfortable Christianity because so- sometimes we have to be a little disturbed in order in order for the message to break through and to sink in and and to be changed. The goal of the church is that we'd all grow up into the full measure of the stature of Christ. God wants to bring you into a full experience of all that Jesus died to give you. I mean, his, his purpose, God's purpose is to complete the work that he began in you. And make, making us feel comfortable has to take a back seat to that because God has such wonderful places he's going to take you. The church uh, must call people um, really weekly. I mean, every time we gather, we, we, we really, we're calling you to really nothing less than a death and resurrection experience. Uh, Paul taught in Romans 6 that the death and resurrection of Jesus plays out in the life of true believers in Jesus. We too die, and then we too live. We died to sin. And now we are raised up in new life and alive to God. Alan Redpath uh, had a series of questions for examination. He had a whole list of them that David Guzik published on his uh, website. But it was just just questions, qu- quite frankly, that don't, won't make you feel very comfortable <laughs> when I ask them. But... It was to kind of stir stir up your thoughts. And, you know, are, are there things going on in my life that that I need to, through the Spirit, put to death? Like Paul says in Romans eight, that's what we as believers do. Through the Spirit, we're putting to death the deeds of the flesh. He says, "Do I grumble and complain? Am I jealous, impure, irritable, touchy? How about that one? Distrustful? Am I self conscious, self pitying?" self-justifying, or am I proud? Is there anyone I dislike or criticize or resent? If so, what am I doing about it? You know, part of our responsibility as a church of Jesus Christ is, is to call you, is to call us away from those things. Um, in a sense, when we, when we gather in a church, We're, we're in, a, in a sense, we're, we're not going to tell you that you're all right just where you're at. Okay, we're calling you to higher ground, and and it doesn't always feel comfortable to get called to higher ground. We're we're calling you to live a new life, to walk not in the flesh but in the spirit. You're called to put off things like bitterness and unforgiveness and outbursts of anger. And as Ephesians 4.24 says, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. You know, I was talking with someone uh, a while back and um, quite frankly, as a believer, they, they were saying some hurtful, angry, critical things. And I, I didn't say this because I, I never think of what to say in the moment. I, I always think of what to say after. Yeah. 
time. But I, 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 I said, boy, I wish I had just said, you know, listen to what the Holy Spirit is. As you're speaking these things, listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying right now. Because I think the Holy Spirit is saying, don't talk like that. Can't you hear him saying that? I mean, I think if you listen for the Holy Spirit, I think if you walk with the Holy Spirit, he'll let you know when those bad attitudes and and things are flowing out of your out of your heart and and your mouth that shouldn't be there and it's it's not always a comfortable thing to listen to the holy spirit cuz he he's changing he's transforming he's making you new he's he's taking you deeper further making you more complete more whole Reason number five, that we can't always make people feel comfortable in church all the time. We must be a church that calls believers to be hot as opposed to cold or lukewarm. We're called to be spiritually hot, right? Jesus wants those who belong to him to be Ardent, zealous, passionate, stirred up, enthusiastic, fervent, fired up, however you want to put it, were to be hot, not cold or lukewarm. And people who don't want that will be uncomfortable with that or even repelled by that. And we, we, can't, av- we can't avoid calling, calling ourselves, stirring up ourselves into a a spiritually hot Christianity uh, just because that's going to make some people uncomfortable. Now, I I really want to be careful about creating the idea of some kind of Christian caste system where, where we feel superior because we're hot and they're not sort of thing, you know. Uh, yet, yet you cannot read the New Testament or especially the messages of Jesus to the churches in Revelation and not see the reality that there are Christians who sometimes lose their first love or who become cold or lukewarm or who tolerate things in their lives or tolerate things in the church that shouldn't be tolerated. And those things bother Jesus. He isn't okay with that. And so he calls us to repent, to rekindle the flame that once burned in our hearts. And again, if you, if you read these messages to the, to the churches in Revelation, they're not, they're not very comfortable to read. They're pretty challenging. Uh, Jesus calls us to, to be hot, not lukewarm or cold. To the church at Sardis, Jesus said, I know your works. You have the reputation for being alive but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. I mean, those, that's a disturbing message to hear. You know, you know everybody, everybody thinks you're doing really well, but Jesus says you're not. And so I urge you to, to repent. Mike Sheeks, I loved your prayer this morning. I, don't, I think the Spirit led you to pray that just for people that weren't doing well spiritually in their hearts. Man, you know... That's, that's what Jesus was addressing here. Um, I know you. 
You've got a reputation that you're doing well and you're not. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain. Sometimes we need to hear that message even though it's not that comfortable for us to hear. I recently read an article in uh, the, the December issue of Charisma magazine. And, okay, since I've got plenty of time, I'm going to take this little diversion. Uh, I like a lot of stuff in Charisma magazine. There's a lot in there I don't like. In fact, I canceled my subscription uh, years ago and hadn't read it for years, but in an effort to win me back, they sent me three free issues, <laughs> October, November, and December. Well, in the December issue, uh, there's an article that's titled... Uh, Okay, brace yourselves. Okay. The, tar- the title of the article is Let's Get Scary. Why Churches Should Embrace the Weird and Stop Being Seeker-Friendly. Okay. The point of this article is that we need to bring passionate intercessory prayer back into the church meeting. And he said the reason that we have moved prayer and crying out to God away from the church meeting is because it feels weird to some people, perhaps to many people. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read several quotes from this article, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going to warn you, these quotes are probably going to make you feel uncomfortable. Okay? But since that's our, what our message is about, I'm going to take the liberty to do it. He said, the problem with seeking to attract people to the church as our primary motive is that we end up with premature church growth, which which results in a multiplication of lukewarm, dead, and dying people who have no idea what it feels like to have tongues of fire igniting over the top of them. It is time that self-focused, semi-interested people are no longer given the opportunity to demand what they are looking for in a church. Then he adds, well, then what do we do with people who are seeking? I mean, the whole thing in the church, what do we do with seekers? What do we do with people who are seeking? Do we just turn them away? We absolutely do not turn them away. We invite them into the furnace. Those who are hungry for God, those who are hungry for God, and I might say really all the people that we, that we want to come to know Jesus, must not be introduced into a tepid, natural environment with an image of God that looks just like themselves. Reveal the glory of our mysterious, fiery, living God and watch them collapse on their knees in desperation. We need a church on fire today more than ever. The lost are being introduced into lukewarm, natural religion instead of a supernatural shaking that can only come from the great I am. And I I too, I say amen to all of that. You know, I don't, I don't always know how to do it. I'll admit, I'll admit, you know, I, would, I want more of Jesus in our church meetings. I want more passionate intercessory prayer in our church meetings. Um, I want all of, the, all of this, this stuff. 
And I don't always, always know how to get there, but I'm praying for that. I want you, I want you to know that I'm praying for that. Um, and I want us as, as a church to, to, to be praying for those things, for, for God to... Uh, help us move into those things, even if they seem a little scary yes, or weird. Reason number six. In the church, as believers, we are called to worship, to praise, to give thanks, to sing to God. And that doesn't feel comfortable to people who see no reason to get enthused about God. Peter said, But you are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Or you're, you're chosen to speak about and sing about and proclaim the wonderful acts of God. And certainly we're to do that at all times, but especially in church. We're to be filled with the Spirit. Especially. Again, at all times we're to be filled with the Spirit, but especially in the church meeting. We're to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to do that with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, to do that enthusiastically, it, that's going to feel overboard. It's going to feel extreme to some people. To those who do not see Jesus as worthy of this, this kind of worship. And... If we love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, uh, many, many who do not share that love will never understand us. And, and that's okay. That's okay. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And I'm not talking about just in church, of course, either. Just, just keep living your life as much as you know how in a way that reflects that you love God with all your heart and mind and strength. But I think if, if, if make, again, if making other people f- feel comfortable, if that becomes our, our highest priority, then I think it really becomes difficult for us to sing and worship and praise and testify and share testimony and share a word of prophecy like um, Autumn did. It, co- it becomes really differ- difficult for us to worship and, and praise God as we ought in church if, if our biggest priority is that everybody always feels comfortable in church. Reason number seven, and this is, this is the last one, and I'm still going to get you out of here early. I think, I think maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll get carried away here. Uh, reason number seven. If we leave room for the power of God in the church meeting, that can create discomfort. Anything that adds a supernatural element to the Christian life makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. It just does. And it's not that we want to make people feel uncomfortable, but if, we're going to, if we make room, we either, we either have a choice. Either make everybody feel uncomfortable and shut out 
and shut down the Holy Spirit or we allow for the power of God to be at work among us and allow whatever happens then to happen. You know, Paul reminded Timothy that in the last days, men will hold to a form of godliness but will deny the power of that. Genuine salvation itself, just being saved, being born again, is a work of power. It's it's not just some words that you believe. It's not even just some prayer that you pray. It's a work of power. It's being born of the Spirit. It's a powerful and mighty work of God where God places His seed in you. And everything that follows from that is a work of power. Christianity is Christ living in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Living the Christian life is a walk in the Spirit. That's the key to everything. It's a supernatural walk. It's, it's, it's every day and every moment giving yourself over to that mighty power, Paul says, that is working within us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's believing that, trusting that, yielding to that. It's walking in that and in the things that are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's, in Philippians, Paul, Paul described the Christian life is God himself willing and working in you for his good pleasure. Christianity is, is certainly not just a, a turning over a new leaf or becoming a better person. It's God himself working and willing in you things that would please him. And I think there's a, there's a very good reason that Paul warned the church uh, to not put out the Spirit's fire and did not despise prophetic utterances or did not despise prophecies in the church because people can be uncomfortable with those things and uh, we, we tend to despise things that we're, that we're not comfortable with. So Paul says, be careful. Be careful. There's a, a, a book that is actually a collection of sermons about the Holy Spirit by A.W. Tozier. And the book, I, I can't remember if it's on the back of the book, but somewhere in the introduction of the book, uh, it had this quote about Tozier's view of the Holy Spirit. And it said this, According to, to Tozier, the Spirit is neglected by the modern church. Buried dynamite, so to speak. I like that. Like the church. Why? Why would we want to bury the dynamite of the church? But that's. And he goes on to say, "But were believers to know the Spirit intimately and accurately, they would know freedom from stagnancy, and they would know power in life." And I love that. Boy, how many believers, and probably all of us at times, need to be delivered from stagnancy. I mean, it's, it's, it's the power of God that is missing when we become stagnant. Everything seems just mundane and like we're just pushing a rock uphill. But were believers to know the Spirit intimately and accurately, they would know freedom from stagnancy. They would know power in life. And then... I'm going to wrap up with this quote also by A.W. Tozier that is the, the very first thing that came to my mind uh, when, when I was just seeking and praying to the Lord about what I wanted to share with you this morning. 
and again, this may make you, some of you feel uncomfortable. The greatest proof of our weakness these days is that there is no longer anything terrible or mysterious about us. The church has been explained, and that is the surest evidence of her fall. We now have little that cannot be accounted for by psychology and statistics. And here, here's something that just kind of blew me away because I didn't know the rest of this quote. The only thing I ever knew about this quote was the greatest proof of our weakness is that there is no longer anything terrible or mysterious about us. What that means is that there's, there's, there's nothing kind of otherworldly about us. There's nothing supernatural about us. There's, not, there's nothing that is not just natural about us. Okay? But here's the amazing thing. When I pulled out the rest of that quote, I'd already decided on what I was going to teach on this morning, had our scriptures, scripture set up and everything. And, and here, here's what I read in the rest of that quote. In that early church, they met together on Solomon's porch. And so great was the sense of God's presence that no one else dared to join them. Isn't that amazing? The world saw fire in that bush and stood back in fear. No one is afraid of ashes. If we ever again impress unsaved men with a wholesome fear of the supernatural, we must have once more the dignity of the Holy Spirit. We must know again that awe-inspiring mystery which comes on men and women and churches when they are full of the power of God. And that's what I want for us as a, as a church. I mean, I, there, I mean I, I, there's other things I want. I want us to be loving. I want us, you know, all those things. But that really, really captures a lot, of, a lot of my heartbeat for the church. And, you know, I say everything that I've said this morning, fully believing that we should not do things in church that unnecessarily make people uncomfortable. There's actually a biblical principle for that in 1 Corinthians 14. But we must seek with all of our hearts to make church about, about Him, about His presence, His power, His Word, because people, people don't need comfortableness. They need Jesus. They need the Lord. That's what we all need every week. Every day. Stand with me and let's, let's pray. Why don't you clo- cl- bow your heads and close your eyes. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm not trying to be manipulative here or anything. Um, and I'm not even going to open my eyes either, but I just, just in the presence of the Lord, if you, if you, if you want this kind of presence at Real Life Church, if, if you want this kind of work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in our midst, if, if you want people to come here and 
find the real Jesus. If you want people to come here who desperately need the Lord and find Jesus, if you want the power of God to be upon this church, I, I'm just going to ask you to raise raise your hand and, and just just let let the Lord know. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those. I I want you to work powerfully in this place. I want you, God, to have your way in this church. I don't care if it makes me feel uncomfortable. I want you to be at work in my life and in my church or in this church or maybe for some in another, wherever you go to church. But we are opening up our hearts as much as we know to you, Lord God. And we ask you to pour down your spirit and your work and by your grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit may people truly meet Jesus when they come in the doors of Real Life Church and by your grace may we be an instrument of showing Jesus to people if they are hurting like that woman who just lost her husband who's uh, if they're having the, the, the deepest, darkest experience of their life or maybe they've got some really wondrous, wondrously joyful thing going on in their life. But whatever's going on, Lord, we want to bring them Jesus. Alyssa, could we sing a, just a verse of that? What can make me whole again? Can we?
when he told her what was going to happen, he told her, she told him, I'm, I'm, I'm the servant. I'm God's servant. Let it be exactly as you say. And the Holy Spirit can put it in my heart. That's what we need to do. It's just, I don't know what it's going to look like, Lord. I don't know what I'm going to have to go through. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let, I'm, I'm your servant. Whatever, whatever it is that your word says, whatever you say, I'm willing to go through it. And he put that on my more than once on my heart. And it's almost like I was supposed to share with the church, but the opportunity didn't come. It was for me, and now it's for you. And then, as some of you know, I got sick. I had a sinus infection for a little week. I was pretty sick. In fact, I got scared, and I asked Reed for prayer. But I was so out of it because I was also having reaction side effects to my antibiotics. And I never used the words I used with you when I prayed before. I've never used them before about taking authority over it. And I, I thought, well, not everybody gets well, so obviously I don't have authority over there, so I would never get sick. So the Holy Spirit showed me no, but it puts it in, it puts it where I can use it. And you're not succumbing to just whatever willy-nilly the, the devil wants out of it. Alrighty. Well, so I was going through it, and I had to work through it. And then, while I was sick... I've been, I've been looking at my bills, and I needed to cut some corners somewhere and find some money, so I called Mediacom to lower my money. Shouldn't have done that while I was sick. I did not feel good. And everybody knows, you know, Mediacom is evil. And, but that was my attitude, and I was not pleasant on the phone. And I'm so upset over myself, I, I had to repent, because the lady on the phone was trying to help me out. And because I was so stopped up, I did not understand what she was saying. And so I, pretty soon the it went the, the line went dead and I thought I was hurt so bad she hung up I cried and repented that's all I could do because I'm like oh my gosh Lord I can't believe I, I was pretty mean to her and that was not oh that hurt my heart and uh, so then okay so I, I repented I prayed and then I was at another point I was telling the Lord somehow use this sickness Lord I'm useless like this I cannot enjoy you. I cannot enjoy anybody. I'm just going through the motions. Cut the last night. <laughs> last yesterday, you know, I decided I gotta. Yesterday, I decided I gotta call me to come again. You know, because I started doing my budget again, and uh, we all know every time you call, you get a different person. So I called them, and this time I was determined. Okay, now I'm going to be very kind. And the person on the other end got, it turns out she was from Cedar, in Cedar Rapids. She got about 10 words out before I realized she was really sick. I couldn't, I couldn't hardly understand her. And I said, I said, I interrupted her. And I said, honey, are you all right? You sound really sick. She said, I said, yeah. I, I, I said, you sound like you got a cold. She said, I got pneumonia. And I said, I'm praying for you right now. And that's not, it's not like me just to stop everybody. It's just the Holy Spirit really put it on me. I said, I said, I'm praying for, for your healing right now. God gives you peace and rest and, and she told me that she needs prayer because her, her, about some different things in her family's life. So then she, then it's almost like she realized she's talking business, and she started talking to me about what she could do for me. And I said, "Thank you." I said, "I said I was talking to somebody um, last week, and I wasn't very kind to him." She said, "I'm the one you were talking to." <laughs> so I got to pray with her, and, and God, it's like. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? You know, that bitterness you have when you mess up so bad. And God allowed me to witness to her. And, and uh, I said, I said, God loves you. I said so much. And she she would receive that. And then she'd realize, I don't know if somebody was listening or what. 
but she's when you're talking it's like God allowed me to to, to to show her kindness I said I was so sick so I understand I said I know that's so hard I'm so sorry you're having to work while you're sick so you know all those things go together if you submit like Mary did that doesn't mean you're going to never get sick that doesn't mean your life's going to get easier it means, it means you're in a lot of you're going to be uncomfortable a lot a lot but God will use all that discomfort even if you fail during it sometimes. So that was what I wanted to really share with you that that you're going to have so many stumbling times but God will still use them and, 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 and let you help help others. So that was a real blessing for me that I got the same person got to help her. So now it's my turn. Okay, I just want to say this woman like is such a light to me and so loving and so precious and I ran into you how many times over the at the store every time I go to Hy-Vee there's Pam I go to Hy-Vee again there's Pam and she said to me the last time we were there she said oh honey you be blessed you go and be blessed and I can't stop thinking about that and I and I just want to say to everyone here go and be blessed (laughs) Mark Lord, guide my mouth. <laughs> but I, I just sit in the back, and I just feel the Lord working on me. You know, I was in the, just got out of the service here in July, um, you know, as a soldier. And just in that field, you learn that there's uh, something that we're, we're all guilty of, we're all prone to do. And uh, it's just being a bystander, you know. And God doesn't ask us to be a bystander. He asks us to step out in faith. And he asks us to to break the norm. You know, it's something I deal with every day. I feel shame about it. Because I go to work and, you know, you see people that are struggling with sin. It just breaks my heart. And I just, you know, it, it takes a lot of faith for me for me to come up here even in front of people you know but uh i just, just the the holy spirit wants us to deliver a simple message to the people around us every day is the message of love that god loves you that god is he is with us he is for us he's for everyone the sinner the fallen the broken he's for him he wants he wants to work through us to, to save to save people you know I know God, he's given us everything that we have. He's given us everything that we have. And he asks us, you know, he gives us a simple message that I love you and I just want you to love me. And in the Bible, you know, you see just examples like I just asked for 10% back with the tithe. That's all God wants from us. He just, he gives us 100% and he just asks for 10% back. You know, when we go out, just give him a little effort. You know, there's nothing I've ever done in my life where somebody has came to the Lord without me praying before I go out. You know, just pray to the Lord before you do anything. And he'll guide your hand and he'll bring he'll bring a harvest into your life and he'll bring people to back into the fold like he like he he wants to. And 
I'm standing back and I uh, felt like the Lord wanted us all to just come up to the front, put a hand on each other's shoulder, and just pray. And just, you know, before we go out, the new year's coming, and he wants us to, yeah, he wants us to go out, and he wants us to just, our heart's full. If he can, I know we all got our prayer language, just just pray it out, okay? Just, Jesus, I pray that this new year that you would just fill us with your spirit, Lord that the fire of the Holy Spirit would just be on us as we go out. Lead us in prayer. Let our prayers go out before us and that you would be with us and that you would guide our footsteps. You just ask a little bit from us and we just take our humble offering, Lord. Our little effort and you can do big things with it. You can do big things with it. And I just pray that We'll be able to not be a bystander, that we'll be able to step out in faith. Because that's what the world needs. We are all bystanders in this world, but it takes a leader to step forward. And just to speak your word, your love, over people. <laughs> it takes a little bit of courage. It's not easy being a, being a Christian, walking out in faith and stepping out in faith. Just pray that your courage, your spirit will be inside of us and that it would lead us, Lord. Is, does anybody else have anything to say? Um, is this, okay. Well, I can't believe I'm talking in front of this many people because when I met my husband when I was 18 years old, I could not even look at somebody in the eyes when I would talk to them. And now I'm talking in front of a bunch of people. Anyway, what God wants me to say today is, um, I just couldn't sit back there. Um, um, the verse in Second Chronicles that comes to my mind is, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. And another thing in second chapter of Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit fell with tongues of fire on their heads because they were in one accord. Because wherever there is love and unity, God is. And that's what he wants me to share. That when we choose to love one another, we choose to love one another despite of anything else we choose to love then God will dwell where there is love